Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. It is Yom Kippur, of course, and last night we talked all about Kippur. I got to tell you, if you do not know Moshiach, Yeshua as your Messiah, then for sure, after you finish watching this service, go on back and watch Kippur last night, our, Yom, our Air of Yom Kippur, our Kol Nidre service, because we talked all about Kippur. In some ways, this message is a what next what next after Kippur? Last night we talked about Kippur, which means, of course, atonement. And the fact that we need that covering, we need that atonement, we need that forgiveness. And the fact that we don't deserve it, yet God is merciful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Baruch Hashem, amen? It's just such a blessing and, and that we don't have to work for it. But, but, but yet we need to receive the gift that God gives us. And it's just so uh, amazing. And all this has to do with Kippur. If you look at the word and study it, and that's what this holiday really is all about. And, and, and that, is, that is the core of Yom Kippur, is Kippur, as we spoke about last night. Fair enough. But what now? But what now? What now? What now once we have received that kapoor, once we have received that atonement? If you are a follower of God, we ask the question, what now? What comes next? Because here's the truth. Our spiritual experience should not consist of merely coming to God on Yom Kippur or infrequently even and saying, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Then nothing else. That, that should not be what our spiritual experience looks like. It's just simply once a year on Yom Kippur, right? God, forgive me. Oh, forgive me, God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. And then that's it. Well, that, that's not enough. What is that? That's a start. That is, that is important. That is key. That is foundational. That is the start. Uh, of that, there is no question. But there has to be something more. There has to be something more than this in your life. Put another way, we should be actively seeking to be a better person by next Yom Kippur more than we are on this Yom Kippur, right? There should be change in our lives. There should be change in our lives for the better if we are sincere in the, in the teshuvah, in the repentance that we've had here on this Yom Kippur, and if we are really understanding the meaning of Kippur, of atonement, then there needs to be change in our lives. And this applies to all of us. This applies to everybody who's watching even now. 
even if you're already a good person, even if you're already a godly and faithful person, that's good if you are, but everyone has room for improvement. Everyone has room for improvement. <laughs> if, if you don't think that you have room for improvement, then I'll give you one, pride. <laughs> because everybody's got room for improvement. Because if we merely accept God's atonement, but don't seek to improve who we are, then we are cheapening God's sacrifice for us. So I ask you on this Yom Kippur, and I'm asking you, not rhetorically, I'm asking you to actually think about the answer to the question here I'm about to ask. I'm asking you, what can you point to and say, wow, I've made a lot of improvements in this area since last Yom Kippur. Anything come to mind? Anything come to mind? If so, then great. May it be so for you next year as well. But if nothing comes quickly to mind, I know some of you are kind of going through your head, okay, now hold on. He's actually asking me this question. What, what, hold on. Mess sermons on Yom Kippur are not supposed to be that way. It's not supposed to be uh, you know, user participation, but audience participation. I'm just supposed to listen to the guy, right? Then I can check the box that I've come on Yom Kippur. No, 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 no. The, the, the point of this is not to, to hear me speak. I mean, listen, <laughs> that and, and, and $4 will get you something at the, at the coffee shop. That, that, that's no good. Friends, we got to have something change inside of us. And so when I say what has noticeably intentionally been improved in your life as a person since last Yom Kippur, and if nothing comes quickly to mind, then allow me to encourage you not to allow another year to pass without meaningful change in your life. Meaningful change in your life. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, says this. Listen to these words. Let love be without hypocrisy detesting what is evil, holding fast to the good. Be tenderly devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo one another in giving honor. Do not be lagging in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Keep serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, enduring in distress, persisting in prayer. Contributing to the needs of the Kedushim, extending hospitality. Wow, a lot there, a lot there. A lot there that relates to this holiday that we're in, Yom Kippur. Why? Because of what that should mean, that Kippur in our life. Verse 12 in Romans chapter 12 tells us that we should be persistent in prayer and that we should endure in distress, endure in distress, Friends, our country has been in distress this year. I don't know if you've noticed. The scripture here says that we should endure in distress. Well, my goodness, 2020, hello, put it in the book. This has been a, a, dis, a, a distressful year. It's been hard for all of us. 
in 2020. Of that, there's just no doubt whatsoever, but we have to endure when we are in distress. It's been a distressful year. We have to endure. Verse 10 says that we are to outdo one another in loving each other. That's real action. It's so interesting because so many times we're taught, and it's true, you know, listen, don't compare yourself to others. And then it's, I think in most of the time it's true. But here we're being challenged, outdo one another in your love for each other. So we should be actively trying to outdo. No, you, you think you love me more? Watch what I do. <laughs> you know, I've oftentimes said whenever I do premarital counseling uh, and then go through Ephesians 5 and such, I, I sometimes will reflect on what makes a perfect marriage. And, and what makes oftentimes, a, you know, a, a, we have some, a couple, couple couples here who have uh, gone through my premarital counseling. And, and, and one of the things that you can have, the best argument a marriage can have, the best argument you can have in a marriage is this, is one person says, I want to do what you want to do. And the other one says, no, 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 I want to do what you want to do. And the other says, no, I want to do what you want to do. And suddenly there's an argument going on. It's the best argument a marriage you could possibly have, right? Outdo one another in giving honor or in love, if you will. That's real action. Also, verse 11 tells us that we should not be lagging in zeal, but to be fervent in spirit. And that one's hard, beloved. It's hard. It's hard to be not to lag in zeal, but to be that fervent in spirit. It's hard because zeal is hard to maintain. Zeal, zeal for God is hard to maintain. I know it is for me. You, the rabbi, it's hard for you. Yes, me, the rabbi. It's hard for me to maintain zeal also, but this is what we're challenged to do. We can't lag in our zeal. In other words, we have to be constantly pushing ourselves to draw closer to God because zeal produces action. Zeal, if we're zealous about something, we're going to be active about it. If you are zealous for pickleball, <laughs> look it up, look it up. Listen, if you've never heard of pickleball, that's great. But if you meet one person who plays pickleball, then you've heard about it. Okay, and if not, you will at some point, probably it's picked up. Uh, but if you're zealous for pickleball, right, then you're going to be an advocate for it. If you're zealous for fantasy football, you're going to be very attentive to it. My son is into fantasy football right now. I've played for many years back when I was in the corporate world with my, you know, uh, other employees, co-employees, and just have a lot of fun with it and all. But you're going to be very attentive to it, man. If you've got a good fantasy football team, right? If you're zealous for a movie, for a particular style, if you're zealous for a particular car, if you're zealous for travel, if you're zealous for retirement, if you're zealous for a politician, then you're going to do something about it. I mean, truly zealous for it, right? There's going to be some action that accompanies that zeal. Too many people of faith pay God their respects and then basically go on about their lives doing what pleases themselves. And this doesn't apply just to those who come to services only on Yom Kippur. Some of you are watching, it's your only time. Don't think that you're 
exempt from this command if you come every week to Shabbat service because your life has to be changed. Is your life changing? Is there action in your life? See, if, if Kapoor is real in your life, if you really feel the atonement that we talked about last night, Yom Kippur, if you really feel that there's going to be a zeal in your life that is exhibited by action, this is what is, is putting Yom Kippur, the tire hitting the road, is that action that comes out of that atonement. And I have to say, if you're watching, many of you, especially you members, need to look at yourselves in this area. Why? Because I have to be honest with you, and, I, and I'm not looking to put on a guilt trip here, but I'll tell you that it has been probably, I don't know, over half a year since I've seen almost any of you in this building on Shabbat. <laughs> and so I, all I'm saying is, hey, that's the fact. Excuses, 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 excuses. <laughs> okay, just a little Jewish, uh, Yiddish title humor there, right? I, I know you couldn't come because we didn't even have in-person services, okay? I know that that's not fair. That's classic Jewish humor. If you're not familiar with Jewish humor, that's classic Jewish humor. It's a no-win. It's a no-win situation. Uh, Jewish humor, there's nothing better. The old story, I remember the old story that Jerry Rutkin used to tell about the mom who, it was Hanukkah time and, and uh, she was real excited and she got her son a couple ties for Hanukkah, a red, red tie and a blue tie and, and, and she was all happy and so then the very next morning, her son comes down the stairs proudly with the red tie on and, and uh, the Jewish mother says, so new, what's wrong with the blue tie? <laughs> you can't win. You can't win. There's no winning. There's just no way to win. It's classic Jewish humor. Okay. But nonetheless, <laughs> but nonetheless, I ask you, has your zeal for the Lord increased since last Yom Kippur? And I want to give you a few practical ways that you can examine yourself to determine the answer to this question. Because, again, for me... This message is about putting Yom Kippur into practice, putting that atonement that we received into practice in our lives. If we really have received it, then there needs to be something different in our lives and continually something different, new, and changing in our lives. So I'm going to give you a few practical ways that you can examine yourselves to determine if there is this difference in zeal in your life since the last Yom Kippur. Now, I, listen, first I want to say I understand that nobody's perfect. Furthermore, you don't have to answer all of these questions, yes. But see if you can answer any of these questions, yes. Think in your own head, and if you're watching online, think to yourself, can I answer yes to any of these questions? And I mean, and sincerely, being honest with yourself, not, not trying to be religious or, or, or self-righteous, but just being really honest, can you answer yes to any of these questions? Relative to last year, number one, do you pray more now, uh, now, do you pray more now than you did this time last year at Yom Kippur? So think about how much you prayed around the time of Yom Kippur last year and think about how much you pray now. Is it appreciably more? 
Now, again, you don't have to answer yes to all these questions I'm going to ask, but can you answer yes to any of them? Not do you pray a lot. Not do you ever pray. Do you pray more than you did last year as a whole, intentionally? Number two, do you read the Bible more now than you did this time last year at Yom Kippur? There are plenty of other practical examples. Are you noticeably less judgmental than last year at Yom Kippur? Have you made an effort to be less judgmental? Conscious effort that in your life you're noticed that you're not as judgmental a person as you were last year at Yom Kippur? Have you become appreciably less argumentative than last year at Yom Kippur. This year you've made a concerted effort to be less argumentative than last year. I'm not talking about like, well, I think maybe, I don't know. No, no, that you can really point to that, no, I've made an improvement in this area. Do you intentionally give more of your finances to the Lord and to others than last year during this Yom Kippur? Intentionally, consciously, and of some level of significance? Are, are you more kind and compassionate to others than you were last year at Yom Kippur? Have you shared the good news of Yeshua more this year than last year around this Yom Kippur season? I'm asking you to really think about answers to these questions. I'm going to tell you, I'm pretty strongly guessing that most of your answers are no. Has anyone else told you that they've noticed a difference in you this year? In a positive way. <laughs> I added that parenthetically in my, in my notes. In a positive way. I've noticed a real difference in, in you this year. You little you punk, what are you doing? No, no, no. I mean in a good way. Has anybody said to you, wow, you know what? You're, you've really changed. There's something that's different about you. You've really Listen, these are just examples. <laughs> and come on, everybody. It's Yom Kippur. What do you expect? If you don't feel some conviction on Yom Kippur, you came to the wrong service. If you just feel just totally, oh, everything is hunky-dory and it's tiptoe through the tulips, then you probably tuned into the wrong Yom Kippur service. I'm asking you to really think about these. That, this is a hard question. It was hard for me to, to really think about it and to contemplate. These are just examples there are other areas. You can think of other areas in your life, perhaps, because here's part of the point of Yom Kippur. Part of it, part of the point of Yom Kippur should be about repentance, fair. But part of it also should be about the fruit of repentance. I want to say that again. Part of Yom Kippur, for sure, is about the repentance, and that's fair. But part of Yom Kippur should be about the fruit of repentance. Our actions should come out of our forgiveness or atonement. That's where our actions should come out of. James, the book of Yaakov, Jacob, chapter 1, starting in verse 22, says this, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deluding yourselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he looks at himself and goes away, he immediately forgets what sort of person he was. (laughs) That's crazy, right? But the one who looks intently into the perfect Torah, the Torah that gives freedom, and continues in it, not becoming a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he shall be blessed in what he does. Ooh, that's deep. If you hear the call for repentance on Yom Kippur, then great. I'm glad. That's the first step. But you have to take action on it. You have to do it. You have to actually do it. Yom Kippur Yom Kippur, my friend, my Jewish friend, is not about beating our chest all day and asking for forgiveness only to do the exact same things that caused you to have to beat your chest in the first place. Hello. What's the point? Wow, that really speaks to me. Yom Kippur is not about just beating your chest, asking forgiveness, and then doing the exact same things that made you beat your chest in the first place. What good is that? At best, it's rote tradition or insincerity. At worst, it's playing games with the creator of the universe. The Jewish prophet Ezekiel from the Tanakh in chapter 18 verse 21 says, but if the wicked turns from all his sins that he has committed and keeps my laws and does what is lawful and right, he will surely live, he will not die. None of his transgressions that he committed will be remembered because of his righteousness that he practiced, he will live. Wow. Notice that it says that if the wicked turns to Shiva and keeps my laws and does what is right, he will live. His transgressions will not be remembered. Because of his righteousness that he practiced, he will live. Do you notice the ends in here? Having that atonement is the, the important key first and foundational step. Of that, there's no question. That's why I said last night, Kippur, is the foundation of Yom Kippur. You got to have last night's message in order to get today's message, really. You, you have to have that Kippur, that atonement, understand what it means in your life first. But once you have that atonement, then you got to live it out. Then you got to be different. Then you got to change. Yom Kippur, at its core, is not a holy day that it's intended to condemn you. People think of that. People think of, of Yom Kippur as this condemning day, and it's, it's not. That's not the core of it. It's not intended to condemn you, but rather, truly, to make you a better person. And when I say a better person, how do I define better? It's not just better person in a, in a worldly, subjective way, like, hey, I'm a good person. Oh, I'm a better. No, when I say a better person, y'all, I mean a more godly person. A person who is following the word of God more, the person who's being obedient, the person who's who's doing these things like the, the list I gave just a few minutes ago. That's what being a better person is, truly. It's traditionally talked about on Yom Kippur whether we will be written in the book of life and whether you're in 
the book of life is a spiritual and a scriptural concept without question. We read about that in the scripture. However, if we have faith in Moshiach Yeshua, we are written in the Lamb's book of life, and that's good and fair. But being written in the book of life is clearly not the only goal. How do I know this? Because if that were the case, and if the only goal were to be written in the book of life, then there would be no further reason to leave us on this planet once the ink dries. Once we're written in the book of life, there's, there'd be no, if that was the, the final and only goal, well, what's the purpose of leaving us on this planet? On the contrary, that which causes us to be written into the book of life, I want to say this, listen to me carefully, that which causes us to be written into the book of life should be the same thing that causes us to live our lives in such a consequentially different way that there should be noticeable change in our lives each and every Yom Kippur. Each and every Yom Kippur. If we're sincere about this atonement that we have, we should want to be progressively better people. It should be part of our DNA to want to be better people if we have the Lord as in our DNA, if you know what I'm saying, right? So it's not that our works save us. That's not the answer last night's message talked about. It's not about our works that get us atonement. It's only by the blood, as I talked about last night. Yet they are, our works are, a natural outgrowth of our sincere walk with God, or at least it should be. Our works are evidence of the transformation inside of us. And the order of that is, is of key importance, of course. You've got to have the right order. It's not that you do good works in order to get forgiveness from your heavenly Father. That's not the way it works. It's that out of his great mercy and through no work of your own, your heavenly Father forgives you, which should make you want to do good works. So truly, doing good things, being a better person, should be a natural outgrowth of Yom Kippur, right? I mean, if we're sincere about Yom Kippur, being a better person should be a natural outgrowth of it. Yom Kippur should not be viewed, as some people view Yom Kippur, as a weighty burden, but rather as, hmm, this is the visual I got. Um, uh, Ines, when I was thinking of Yom Kippur and what, what it meant, right? People think of Yom Kippur as this, as this burden. But, but, but no, if we understand the meaning of atonement and, and, and what that should look like in our life, my friends, then what it is, is Yom Kippur should be like a booster rocket that boosts you in your faith and in your walk in a greater way than you could ever have without it. Because without Yom Kippur, without atonement, what good is it? No, no, no. With that atonement, with Yom Kippur, I think of it as like, you know, they have that SpaceX and, and they're shooting all these rockets out and, and, and they're talking about going back to the moon and going to Mars and stuff. And I remember when I visited Cape Canaveral with my family 
And we went, and, and you saw on Cape Canaveral there, they've got one of the Saturn V rockets that they use to send people to the moon. And, these, and this, just the size of this rocket, and it's just nothing but a, it's a gigantor Roman candle, right? I mean, it's just full of fuel. And, and they just, you know, like somebody lights a match, you know, they get the lighter. No. <laughs> That's a tough job. <laughs> That's a tough job at NASA. Uh, anyway, uh, so, so they light off this, this candle, and then the power that, that can propel that kind of weight straight up into the sky is just it's mind-blowing. It really is. That's what Yom Kippur should be about, a booster rocket that will propel you into a new stratum of devotion and improved character. That's what it should be. But you first have to make the decision to affect this change. It's not going to happen by itself. It doesn't happen by osmosis. Okay, my, one of my kids is in chemistry right now, right? It, it doesn't happen through osmosis. Let's look at the, let's take a moment. I, I want you to take a moment. I want to think, I want for you to think of one area in your life where you'd like to see a noticeable improvement by the time we gather together again next Yom Kippur. So, so what I'm asking is I'm asking you, this is not rhetorical again, this is practical. I'm asking each of you who are watching, and, and we've had literally thousands of people watch our High Holy Day services. Okay, wonderful. I, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're watching and, and listening. It's Yom Kippur. I want you to think, because I went through a whole list, you've said no to most of the things, there may be something else. What's one single, I'm not asking for a list of 20, what's one single thing in your life that you think and that you would like to and that you can improve on in your life as a person between this Yom Kippur and next Yom Kippur? I want to give you just a second to think about it for a minute. Think very practical. I see a few of you, I see May May, I see Jack already doing it, but whatever you thought of, whatever that one thing is that you thought of, I'd like for you to write it down. I'd like for you to write it down, maybe make a note in your smartphone, write it down in your journal, write it down in a prominent place, put it on a post-it, stick it on your bathroom mirror or on your refrigerator. If you're there at home, take a moment, I know you're sitting down, you're comfortable on your couch or on your Lazy boy, that's a, that's a tough one spiritually, lazy boy. It's just so comfortable though. But anyway, but the point is, is that what did that one area is that you thought of? Or, or maybe you didn't think of anything because, you know, you're just watching this on YouTube and who's going to even know? This is, not a, this is not a game. Think about it. It's between you and God. You don't ever have to tell me. You don't do it, you don't do it. One area, that's all I'm asking. What's one area of your life that you think that you can improve on as a person to make you a better person between now and next year? Whatever that one thing is, it matters if you write it down somewhere. Even if it's on your smartphone, send yourself an email, 
I suggest put it on your fridge or put it on your, your bathroom mirror or something. Why? So that you see it regularly to remind you that this is what you're working on in your life. So that next year on Yom Kippur, if, if you're asked, is there one area that you've had a, a substantial improvement in in this last year as an outgrowth of your acceptance of the Kippur, the atonement of God, that you have an answer for it? And you say, yes, there is. I really, the Lord has helped me in this particular area in my life. Then in the next year, be intentional here about making this happen. And if you slip up, listen, that's okay. Ask for forgiveness and then redouble your efforts. Redouble your efforts. Because nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody. And and by the way, that, that works with children too. If you're a young person out there watching or you're a Uh, a teenager in high school or elementary school even, or if you're a college-age student, if you're a young adult, write down something, an area where you think that you have room for improvement, that you can seek to be a better person, but then don't forget about it. Put it somewhere where you'll be reminded of it and be intentional about it. And my friends, if you've messed up in the past... If you've messed up in the past, that's in the past. And if you make changes, there's a reward. There's a reward if you make changes. Let's conclude with Philippians chapter 3, which reads this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself as having taken hold of this, But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for the reward of the upward calling of God in Messiah Yeshua. Oh, yes. Achim v'achayot, brothers and sisters. See, my friends, we have to forget what is behind us. What is behind us is in the past. There's nothing you can do to ever change the past. There's nothing you can do. It's in the past. But God will forgive you of the past. Forget what is behind you. We have to press on. We have to move forward. We have to strain toward what is ahead. There should be noticeable change in our lives each year as the evidence of our kapoor and of our relationship with God is seen and demonstrated. We should be different, different in our relationship with God, different in our relationship with others. We should be better. And the title of my message is Better Person. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask if you're here watching or if you're watching on YouTube and you've never committed your life to God, how about today? If you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, you've never received that atonement, which is the starting point to making yourself a better person because better otherwise is very subjective. One person thinks this is better. No, we, we have to see what God thinks is, makes you a better person. 
So if you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, say this prayer after me, repeat it after me wherever you are, and God will touch you. Say, dear God, I humble myself before you. I accept Yeshua as my Messiah. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, God. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, oh God. Make me a better person in Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you this new spiritual journey that you've just endeavored upon. And if you're out here, I want to pray for you regarding that thing that you wrote down, whatever that is that you wrote down. Lord God, in the name of Yeshua, I pray for each person who wrote something down. Even the act of writing something down or putting it on a smartphone, whatever, somehow making note of it. Even the act of doing that, God, I, I pray that you accept that as, 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 an, as an act of a commitment and as, a, as an act of humility to show God that, that we need, that we need to change in our lives. We need change in our lives. We need to improve. We need to become better people. Better people is defined by you. So Lord, I pray your help, 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 help God, help every person who's watching this, Lord, who has something that they wrote down, Lord. God, that we do seek your face and we know that becoming a better person is the fruit of the repentance. It is the fruit of the poor. God, I look forward to the rest of today and all the other observances we have all afternoon from the worship and prayer to the Yisker service at 2 o'clock to the Ne'ilah. And this fast, Lord, we dedicate this fast to you, Lord, and let it help us focus to keep you center in our lives. Thank you for these things, God. We bless you for them. B'Shem Yeshua, in the name of our Messiah Yeshua, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.com. Org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Shalom.